Greetings, fellow educators. It's Kayla Zielinski here, and welcome to Superintendent Transitions, brought to you by Macbeth Academy, pioneers of equitable K-12 virtual education since 2016. If you're looking to upgrade your district with engaging, empowering, and equitable 21st century strategies, this is the podcast for you. And as you listen to today's episode, we want you to think about your school and how you can use our podcast to jumpstart your district's 21st century education journey. There is always room for improvement. Superintendent Transitions is brought to you by Macbeth Academy, a fully accredited K-12 virtual academy. We partner with public school districts to help keep students enrolled and learning in their home district. To find out more information about partnerships, visit www.macbethacademy.org. That's www.macbethacademy.org. Welcome to the Superintendent Transitions Podcast. This is Episode 3 of Season 1. I'm Kayla Selinski, your host. Like you, I am many things. I'm a podcast fanatic. I started my own virtual academy. I'm the mom of two little boys. And education leadership is a huge part of my everyday life. In today's episode, we will talk about why I work with superintendents and some educational technology resources that all superintendents need right now, this summer after COVID-19 and beyond. Part one will be my superintendent backstory. In part two, we talk about how I work with superintendents now. And in part three, we discuss educational technology or ed tech trends for 2021. We will hear from our guest, Dr. Corey Hall. She is a consultant with STEM Education Works and is an expert on educational technology. Part one, my superintendent backstory. I first started consulting with superintendents in 2017 on virtual education strategy, how to conduct a district-wide educational technology or ed tech needs assessment, providing support for educational technology or ed tech plans, asynchronous service suggestions, virtual education logistics, and of course, scalability. Over the years, during these consultations, I noticed I was having the same conversations with superintendents, regardless if they led a small rural school district or a large urban school district. You superintendents are all in transition. Most superintendents started out as teachers or administrators. You all had to transition from a teacher to a scholar in practice. That doctorate in education means that you are in the unique position to apply the theory and skills you learned in your graduate studies to real schools and real school districts. In 2017, one of my most impactful services was, and still is, when I built out sustainable educational technology plans for schools and school districts to avoid wasting thousands and sometimes millions of dollars on unnecessary technology that will have little to no impact on student growth. Part two, how I work with superintendents now. Fast forward from 2017 to March, 2020. The pandemic has hit and I am having different conversations with superintendents. The transition is no longer internal from a teacher to superintendent. Now the transition is an overhaul from in-person brick and mortar learning to virtual blended or hybrid learning. The Superintendent Transitions podcast is where I interview experts in their fields to give education leaders more guidance on how to keep stakeholders happy 
regarding virtual education. My contribution is as the leader of a nonprofit virtual academy. In these conversations, I'd like to share how and why virtual education works, how having a plan to offer synchronous education is and can be a benefit to your district. I like to think of each district as a unique entity with their own challenges. The commonality or the great equalizer is educational technology. It all depends on how we can use it to enhance what we already have. This means how we can turn our regular traditional schools into 21st century schools. What will we need to prepare students to be digitally literate? What will we need to provide personalized, student-centered learning? And how can we listen to stakeholders like parents and community members who are in some cases demanding some kind of a virtual option. Part three, ed tech trends. There's so many virtual education resources out there that it can seem a little overwhelming. Where do we find it? How do we find it? And how do we stay up to date? As superintendents, it's so helpful to know a little bit of everything to stay up to date on what's happening in the virtual education space. That's why we invited Dr. Corey Hall, educational technology expert, educated for 20 years and lifelong librarian. And she's an education consultant with STEM Education Works. Here's Dr. Hall's response when I asked, what are the top ed tech trends for 2021? I am really seeing four big ed tech trends um, that they're huge topics in and of themselves. But uh, one of them is AI and data-driven assessment. So the idea of artificial intelligence and how that plays a role in education. Um, I think virtual spaces, we're going to continue to see the need for uh, online or hybrid learning. And I think virtual spaces are going to be a huge trend that we, we're going to have to really do a deep dive with. And then equitable access, you know, we're, if, we're, if we're moving forward with online learning and everything that I'm reading says we are, then how are we making sure that our students have equitable access? And then finally, uh, OER, Open Educational Resources, the uh, OER that's available to us. A lot of teachers don't know about it, but it is vast. And it's something that I think we really need to dig into. And it's something that I know is is driving um, the research right now and, and where we're going for the future. Excellent. So let's start with AI data-driven assessment. What is that? So when we talk about AI, artificial intelligence, of course, everybody starts to think robots. And, you know, if you watched the uh, Netflix social media one or whatever, that's what, what people are thinking about. And of course, robotics does have a role in AI. But really, it's what's happening behind the scenes. And most teachers are already using it, and they just don't realize it. But if you go back to the days of... Um, you know, using Google Forms to grade your quizzes, you're not making those decisions, right? A computer is making the decisions about what is right or wrong in, on a test or a quiz. Um, and so that is an easy, you know, like that's a simple AI example. But now we're moving towards um, computers being able to decipher long form writing or portfolio uh, pieces. And, and we're, we're programming the computer to be able to make those decisions for us, which is saving time for teachers. There's some, there's some drawbacks there, but there's some benefits as well. Um, and the computer is the program is actually making the, decision, the decisions about how to move students along. So if you're thinking about learning pathways, AI is going to play a really big role in, well, this student should be placed here and it's watching 
it, it sounds like Big Brother, but this, the, the you know the AI is watching the student progress and moving the student based on their um, progression or the need for remediation. So AI is going to play a really, really big role, especially as we continue in this virtual learning environment. It's there, it's here, and it's going to be bigger and bigger. So just a, another quick, easy uh, example is like Grammarly. If you use Grammarly, well, it's a program that gets smarter as you use it. And now like the beta versions have the ability to recommend different sentences that fit better with what you're writing. So it's getting smarter uh, which again sounds a little scary and big brotherish, but there's a lot of, of benefit there for us as teachers. So definitely AI uh, and da data-driven assessment, which is what that is going to lead to, big trend for 2021. What does data-driven assessment mean? So it goes right along with that AI in the sense that we will be given data feedback from whatever we're using. And we're going to be able to use that feedback to make decisions. But the AI will also come in and help us make those decisions. So it's not just, uh, you know, it's not a subjective, this student, I'm going to move them on to seventh grade because they've learned this, this, you know, it's a very specific, we have data because the program that we're using is keeping track of that data. And now we have very specific information. And like I said, at some point, it will be the, the program moving the student on, not even the teacher having to, to make those subjective decisions. So that data-driven assessment is we have solid data because our students are moving through these programs and those decisions are made based on hard data, not just subjective decisions from a teacher. That's excellent. A lot of ed tech now, the learning management systems and a lot of the, you put, the more data that's put in from the students, the more the students use it and interact with it, the more data is able to help the students progress and help them help the system know exactly where the child is. Absolutely. So it's really, if we're all online virtually and we're putting this information in consistently, it's definitely going to help us have a more personalized education experience for the teacher and for the student. And it needs to have some student-facing piece to it as well. So if the students are seeing the data, then they also are taking responsibility for their learning. So I think there's something really uh, powerful in that. So the data is more meaningful because it not only faces the teacher, but the students also have access to their own data. So that's awesome. I think that works together. Good. So the next trend we were going to talk about was equitable access. So talk to me about equitable access. Sure. So it could be its own <laughs> separate podcast, but, and we talked a little bit about this last time. As we continue with virtual education, and like I said, everything I'm reading is we're still we're still moving forward. We have not transitioned to being back to you know traditional school, and I don't know that we ever will. Mm -hmm. So equitable equitable access means that we have students who still do not have the ability to be online at certain times. We do not, or they don't have access to the internet. They don't have uh, access. They don't have access to the computers that they need. So it's this idea of making sure that every student has exactly what they need to be successful in this virtual learning environment. So there's lots of ways and lots of strategies that school districts are using to do that. Um, but it's definitely something that we have to focus on. Uh, I just read a statistic that was saying, um, let me see if I can get the exact information because it just blew me away. Uh, right, and it, it, let's see, 74% of the nation's 100 largest school districts are in virtual learning right now, which I thought oh. was, was staggering. I mean, it makes sense. Um, but then also, 
Right now, the average uh, learning loss for students is seven months, but for students of color, it's 10 months. And for students from low-income families, the loss of learning is 12 months. So this equitable access has to be addressed. It's a vital, vital importance for us as we move forward. Absolutely. And as, and that learning loss is from when the pandemic started. But what yes. about kids that were already behind? That's exactly that's exactly what we're what we're worried about. And and how do we now catch these students up who were already behind and they have to, these are the students that don't have the equitable access so uh it's a it's a really big issue and by the way side note to that one what about mental health issues oh. so we also have students with mental health issues where school was their place of safety school was their therapy school provided their food school provided their support mm-hmm. they don't have that right now so that's another whole topic that we that we could talk about Okay, side note to the side note. What about kids that were in special education? What about kids that are special that have that need support that's additional personalized support that absolutely in classrooms? Major problem. And I think the biggest problem with that is that we just haven't provided the support for teachers to even know how to address that. I don't know that it's that teachers don't want to. I think we haven't supported teachers to to be able to do that well. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I do think that's a, a huge topic that we can talk about. How do how do we support those students with 504s or with the IEPs and make right. sure that they're getting what they need to be successful? Absolutely. Excellent. So next one I want to talk about was the virtual spaces. So talk to me, what is a virtual space? So I think at this point, we're, how many months are we into this pandemic now? Uh, 11, 12, I don't even <laughs> It's something like that. Pretty much everybody is is uh, comfortable with the idea of like an LMS, a learning management system, and a space where learning takes place. Mm -hmm. But the problem with a standard learning management system is that it is very clinical looking. If you go in there, it's very um, it's cold. You know, there's not a a real warmth to it. There's not a, a sense of belonging. It's a list of things to do. So one of the trends that I'm seeing is the idea of a virtual space, a virtual classroom, a virtual library, a virtual makerspace that a teacher creates that that is personalized. So, you know, you may start with the learning management system, but it takes you out to your classroom and it has that same feel as if a student was walking into a real classroom. You know, it's got the decorations and the posters on the wall and it's got your bitmoji or what or your photo or whatever, but it, it personalizes that space because I think we're in this space for quite some time. So, so what, are, what are the benefits of having that virtual space? Right. So I think the benefit of something like a virtual space as opposed to just a, an area in a learning management system is connection. So I think connection between teacher and student is so important. I think it's one of the things that we lost. At least last year, you got to know your students before we had to leave for the pandemic. This school year, teachers never even had an opportunity to meet their students. So this gives you that, that sense of belonging, this, this belongingness, I guess. If you, if you create a virtual space that is yours and your students, and it doesn't look like anybody else's space, and this is where you belong, I think that gives you that opportunity to connect with your students and let them feel like they belong. What if I'm, uh, you know, education leader, I'm a principal or I'm a superintendent, how do I standardize this process or streamline this process? Because I know that there are these awesome teachers that are doing this already. How do I make this a district-wide or a school-wide 
Again, I think it's a it's a question of support for teachers. I think it's professional development. I think it's making sure they have the platform. So, I mean, most schools have access to Google Slides. It's as simple as providing Google Slides for teachers, but it's providing them time to do it as well. So that is, it, it takes time to do really quality uh, work when in a virtual space. And I think it's providing that professional development, finding people who are really good at it and, and bringing them in for your teachers, giving your teachers time to work on those, on those, but it's worth it. It's work that's worth it. Excellent. And finally, the open educational resources. What are those? So that touches on my librarian's heart. So OER, and I think probably at this point, everybody's heard of OER, but they haven't necessarily really done a deep dive with it. But OER is exactly what it sounds like. It's resources available online, freely available um, of every sort that you can think of, from databases to books, to articles, uh, journals, videos, uh, and they're housed in uh, different locations, but um, it's it's a way to get access to material that is free, honestly. But it's also of the high of high quality. So it's not like sending your your students out to you know Google and say find information about the Titanic, and you could get you know anything. Um, you know, it's because you read it on the internet. It's true. It's a, that sort of thing. But OER is is material that has been vetted. So it's a it's a great opportunity to kind of move away from the standard textbook and mm -hmm. into material that's changing and evolving and up to date and free. <laughs> that's a good word, free. <laughs> <laughs> that's my favorite word. So how if how do I implement this in my school? Go to your school librarian. Your school mm -hmm. librarian is the expert in OER. Absolutely the the number one place you should go. Um, if you don't have a school librarian, which unfortunately that is the case in, in many in many places, you can even go to your public librarian or your local college librarian and say, you know, do right. you help me um, with this? But this is something that should be available to every teacher. They should know about it. Um, if you don't have it in classroom websites, it should be on the library website. If it's not on the library website, it should be on the district website. Thank you so much to Dr. Corey Hall for that wonderful information and for keeping us up to date with educational technology trends. And thank you so much for listening to episode three of Superintendent Transitions. For more resources and to learn how you can partner with Macbeth Academy, please visit www.macbethacademy.org or email me at kayla.silinski at macbethacademy.org. Be sure to subscribe to this show so you don't miss out on any episodes. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Superintendent Transitions. I'm hoping you learned something that you can immediately take to your district. As you know, I am the founder of Macbeth Academy, a nonprofit K-12 virtual school founded in 2016. We're partnering with school districts all across the United States and in two countries and counting. Wow! Districts are partnering with Macbeth Academy because our mission is to make virtual education equitable, engaging, and fun for all students. To learn more about partnering with Macbeth Academy, please visit our website, www.macbethacademy.org, www.macbethacademy.org. And to learn more about how you can partner with me, Kayla Selinski, you can definitely visit www.kaylaselinski.com. That's K-A-Y-L-A-S-O-L-I-N-S-K-Y.com to request my virtual school readiness toolkit. And definitely subscribe to this podcast. We are growing, we're learning. There's always something more to learn and bring to your district. We have so much more in store for you. Wonderful guests, 
useful information, and many, many great insights to come.